0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Beckton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai-Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder, trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle, and there he goes! Crowder! It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Darnold escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Is end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Darnold. He'll hit immediately. Oh, when he has the handoff. You know and know it's the QAnonator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
1: From the TOJ Digital Studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it is time to dive inside the numbers with the resident stat geek over at jetxfactor.com, where he is also co founder with Robbie Sabo, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, Happy New Year, buddy.
2: Happy New Year to you too, and I think I'm spending the start of this year the same way that most of us are, watching all my Zach Wilson and Justin Fields film, digging into the numbers on them, reading all their quotes, their backstories, everything. Everything I need to know in these two guys. So just uh, exactly what we thought we'd be doing three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I don't know about anybody else, Michael, but that's how I'm beginning my year as well. I'm sitting here watching all 22s of Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and I'm going to get to Kyle Trask eventually. Thanks to Sam Cernick from JetsXFactor.com for hooking me up with the All-22 footage. Because I'll tell you, Michael, you really don't get a complete picture of how these guys are playing, especially quarterbacks, unless you're taking a look at the All-22. Really looking forward to digging in on that. But before I do, I want to dig in on the Jets' performance against the Browns in Week 16 Another upset, this one a little less stunning than the Rams' victory because the Browns were on the road, they had travel issues, and of course, most importantly... They had to call up four receivers from the practice squad on like 12 hours notice so anytime something like that happens you know that there could be an upset in the air but a big part of the reason why was the play of the interior defensive line minus Quinnen Williams which is crazy because Quinnen Williams has been the best player on the Jets all year certainly the best player on that interior defensive line. He missed this game, and he's going to miss Week 17 against the Patriots, but even without him, the Jets' interior defensive line dominated. Nathan Shepard has come to life. He more or less was in hibernation until the last couple of weeks, but all of a sudden, he started to put it together last week against the Rams, and then this week against the Cleveland Browns.
2: Yeah, and and Shepard has been playing this season. He just hasn't been playing much. He's only playing about 17 snaps per game over his first 11 games. But even when he was out there, he wasn't playing well in terms of on a per-snap basis, only two pressures and two run stops over his first 11 games, which even on a small sample size is a very low number in terms of his pressure rate and his run stop rate. But last two games, with more playing time, he's really stepped it up. Sack in back-to-back games, had one against the Rams, one against the Browns five pressures for a 7.2% pressure rate, which is basically average. And he also has three run stops, a 10.3% run stop rate, which is really good. So he's playing a lot better with the increased playing time, which is interesting. Usually you'd think it's the other way around. If you're getting more playing time, you'll probably see your efficiency go down, but it's been the opposite with Shepard. More playing time has brought the best out of him.
1: And it's brought the best out of John Franklin Myers too. another awesome game. Now, when the season ends and you look at box score stats, the traditional stats, you're not going to see just how dominant he has been in the pass rush. Between him and Quinton Williams and then this late emergence of Nathan Shepard, this interior defensive line looks like they are going to be really tough to deal with going forward. If they can add an edge rusher in the offseason, the Jets could have the makings of a really good front seven for the next couple of years.
2: Yeah. And like you said, with Frank Myers, you look at his regular stats, they probably make him look like one of the most underrated players in the league right now. He only has three sacks, 18 tackles, four tackles for loss, you know, whatever. Those are okay stats, but the pressure he's been creating this season has been just unbelievable. He's the second still has the second best pressure rate behind Aaron Donald among interior D linemen. And he's been so consistent in all but one of his games He's had a pressure rate better than the positional average. So he's been fantastic in this game. Second most snaps of the season with 49, obviously with Quinn and out, there were more available and he was still efficient, even on a higher volume, five pressures, fumble recovery, pass deflection, had a run stop as well. So he's just, he's been amazing this season. He's, I don't think it's a stretch to say he's, I don't know if I necessarily call him elite overall, but in terms of his efficiency as a pass rusher, he's been elite. He's been as good as anybody. So he's a really fantastic piece to have going forward. He's still only 24 years old. Won't turn 25 until next September. Only has two years of experience in the books. Missed the entire 2019 season. So his upside is just tremendous. And he's already about as good as any defensive tackle in the league as a pass rusher. So Really fantastic season for Franco Myers and a great piece to have on that interior.
1: Michael, you talk about potential to really add an element to the Jets defense that hasn't been there in a while. The interior defensive line looks like they could create the most pressure since 2015 when they had Sheldon Richardson and Leonard Williams and Muhammad Wilkerson there to really get after the quarterback. As we said, you add an edge rusher there and you're going to have a front seven that could be really nasty. But in the secondary, we're also seeing something that we haven't seen in a while and that's somebody creating good coverage in the passing game. And the person I'm talking about is Bryce Hall. Now, again, keep in mind, That he was going up against practice squad players who had been called up about 12 hours earlier. So you're not exactly facing Cleveland's best. And Baker Mayfield's not on the same page with those guys, clearly, because they wouldn't have practiced together. But still, you can only compete against the guys that are out there against you. And Bryce Hall did a really nice job on Sunday against the Browns. Plus, he has shown you some pretty good tools already. A lot of reason to be optimistic about Bryce Hall going forward.
2: Yeah, and like you said, in terms of competition, this is obviously about as easy of a matchup as you could ask for, but you know, whatever the competition is, you just got to clear that bar. The bar is a lot lower when you're playing against practice squad receivers, but go ahead and dominate those guys, and that's what Bryce Hall did. 62 coverage snaps, which is a ton. The Browns are throwing the ball a lot in this game because they went down early. They couldn't run the ball. So 62 coverage snaps, only gave up two first downs, on six targets in his direction so that's fantastic 70.3 pff grade that was 12th or uh 12th best among quarterbacks in week 16 so um he's he's playing really well or, or actually that grade was 18th best among quarterbacks this week over the past two weeks combined 12th best among quarterbacks in terms of overall pff grade but really solid game here and he finally got to play some weak competition he's played so many good receivers keenan allen Devontae Parker, he also covered Darren Waller against the Raiders, Metcalf, Robert Woods, so he finally got a favorable matchup and he really took advantage of it.
1: On the subject of cornerbacks, another player who played well against the Browns was Arthur Millette. Now, Millette had some nice moments down the stretch of last season, and he didn't really do a lot early this year, but he started to play pretty well. I'm not so sure you want him in a starting role, but he looks like he could be earning himself a spot on the roster next year as a solid depth piece.
2: Yeah, and it, it definitely has been an interesting season because, you know, last season he came in and was starting an outside corner, played pretty decently in the second half. This season didn't get any playing time early, then missed a few games. And second half of the season, he's been back and it started off slow for him, but now he's starting to show some really interesting potential as a backup. He was playing some slot corner and played well, really well against the Raiders in a small sample, then was playing some free safety and did an okay job there. Now he's back in the slot against the Browns and had a really good game. Only two first 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 downs and 40 yards on 10 targets, three pass breakups. So he's really showing, adding this versatility is really big for him. Every team can use versatile players. So for him to be showing that he can play all these different roles and play them pretty decently makes him a really nice depth piece uh, to have going forward.
1: Speaking of versatile, how about Terrell Basham dominating against the pass and dominating against the run? This is one of the best performances anybody on the Jets has had all season. He had four pressures, including a strip sack of Mayfield. And then on top of that, he had five stops in the running game for losses or less than two yards of positive yardage. This was a tour de force by Terrell Basham. He certainly earned himself a spot on the roster next season, and he was a major reason why the Browns, who have one of the best running games in the entire league, were not able to do anything on the ground.
2: Yeah, it was a really good game for him, especially against the run. He only played 16 snaps against the run, and he still made five stops for two yards or less, and he forced a fumble on one of them, which was that sneak at the end of the game by Baker, so it was a fantastic game from him, and and he's had these these past couple of years. Every now and then, he has one of these breakout games where he plays really well. Uh, there's a lot of stuff Basham brings to the table. His athleticism, he can drop into coverage. Um, he Soar does have a nose for the ball in terms of playmaking. He's not a very good pass rusher or isn't really even an average one. That's why the Jets edge rush isn't good, but he he does offer you a lot. He's a valuable player to have around as a depth piece. The Jets need to upgrade on the edge and find some legitimate pass rushers who are much better than him, but there's a lot he brings to the table. And if they can keep him around as a, a backup, you can do a lot worse than him. He's definitely great to have around as a rotational player.
1: One other player on the defensive side of the ball That I wanted to talk about, Michael, was Bryce Hager 28-year-old who's barely played He's mostly been a special teamer. At first, when I saw the name Hager, I thought, wait a second. You're trying to tell me that the Jets signed former WWE champion Jack Swagger, a.k.a. former Oklahoma heavyweight Jake Hager, who's now in AEW. But apparently, there's a Bryce Hager. I don't know if he's related to Jake Hager, but he got himself into this game and actually did fairly well.
2: Yeah, he, he did an all right job in his first start. I thought from watching it back a little bit, um, especially in coverage, I think he was okay. Didn't necessarily, you know, not necessarily playing man or zone coverage, but just, you know, the Browns were checking the ball down a lot and he was able to come down and make some solid tackles in the passing game. He did have two missed tackles, which isn't good, but he made 10 in total. And most of them were pretty good in terms of limiting yardage after contact. Um, And he blitzed a little bit, wasn't too successful with those, uh, no pressures on his eight blitzes, but in coverage, only 27 yards, one first down over 49 snaps in coverage. He had a pass breakup on Andy Janovich. So a, a pretty good game for his first start, I think. Um, and his PFF grade was perfectly average, 58.1. That was 34th out of 68 linebackers in week 16. So it was it was a decent game. We'll see what he can do against the Patriots, but um, yeah,
1: he did all right. Moving to the offensive side of the ball, Michael, Makai Becton was dominant again in the running game. In the past game, he had a little bit of trouble. This was probably his worst performance of the season. But as I told you when we were talking about this before we started recording, he held up very well against Nick Bosa, Justin Houston, Bradley Chubb, Frank Clark, Joey Bosa, some of the best pass rushers in the league. Miles Garrett is on another level. He's probably the best pass rusher in the NFL. So if there was going to be a game where Becton was going to have his biggest problems, it would be this one, and that's what happened here. I can't fault him too much. You just hope that he chalks it up as a learning experience. But Miles Garrett did have a really nice day, including what should have been ruled a strip sack of Sam Darnold. A really dominant day for Becton again in the run game, but struggled more than normal in pass protection.
2: Yeah, Garrett definitely had his way with Becton in this one. Four pressures for Becton. That ties his season high. One of them was a sack. Another one should have been a sack, which was the strip sack you mentioned. I don't know how that one was called incomplete, but that still did count as a pressure for Becton. So passing game struggled with Garrett. He got him a couple of times. I think both sacks was like a double swipe to the inside and just quickly beat him around the edge. So passing game, he had struggles, but Becton did grade pretty well in the run game, 72.1% run blocking grade Uh, that was the actually the third best posted against the Browns this season and the eighth best among left tackles this week. So pretty good in the run game. And I think that's what's promising about in the season. He hasn't had any games where he's just been absolutely terrible throughout it. He struggled in protection in this one and he's had some games where he has, but when that's happened, he's still been good in the run game and vice versa. He's had some games where he wasn't so good as a run blocker but he still came through in the passing game. So I think it's really impressive how consistent he's been in terms of always bringing something to the table, even if he's struggling in one area.
1: Let's talk about the rest of the offensive line now. George Fant continues to be up and down. Had a good game last week against the Rams, not so good against the Cleveland Browns. Connor McGovern has played better down the stretch of the season. Hasn't exactly been an all-pro, but he's been solid enough, and that's really all you could ask for at the center position, especially after what we've been used to seeing the last couple of years there. And then Pat Elfline and Josh Andrews. You mentioned this in your write-up at JetsXFactor.com, but to me, it's 100% true. There's a lot of Brian Winters with Elfline because you'll see a lot of these highlight reel pancake blocks But then when you look over his performance, you see a lot of really bad things too. So Elfline and Andrews continue to show that there's no way on earth that they should be starting on a regular basis. I know that there are some people that see those highlights and think that Elfline could be a starting guard next year. If you're a Jets fan, you better hope that's not the case. If he sticks around as a depth piece, fine, but you don't want Elfline or Andrews starting at guard next season.
2: Yeah, it's very Winters esque sort of what Elfline is doing. Look, he pancakes guys now uh, now and then, and it looks really nice. You can post it, and it'll a lot of people. It'll go viral, and it looks great. But it shouldn't mask how inconsistent he is overall. Still, three pressures in this game. He's giving up three plus pressures every single game as a Jet, and he's not very good in the run game either. Again, he'll have his highlights now and then, but it's the overall consistency that matters. At a position where you're playing every single snap and affecting the play on almost every single one of those, so a couple of highlights it doesn't isn't really what matters. It's more about consistency, and Elfine has none of that. Um, and then in terms of Andrews, more of the same from him. Like you said, these two guys are not starting caliber even as backups. You I think you need to get a lot more out of your backups than what these two guys have have given them. So depth is going to be uh, definitely something the Jets need to fix on this interior offensive line.
1: Michael, Chris Herndon is actually playing. I know he's been in the games before, but we haven't noticed him until the last couple of weeks. And he had probably his best performance of the season, or it's right up there. It wasn't anything flashy or great, but at least he showed some positive production.
2: Yeah, it's definitely good to see him showing some signs here at the end of the season. It's not too much to read into. It's only two games. He hasn't been dominant. Some of the catches have been wide open. But look, this is a guy who at the beginning of the season just couldn't catch the ball. He didn't know how to. He he simply could not hold on to it. So it's positive to see him actually holding on to it, making some plays. Three first downs against the Rams last week. And then another three conversions this week with two first downs and a touchdown. So uh, he's done a nice job the past couple of games. I think this is sort of the production level you expected from him, maybe around 40 yards per game, I think is right around where we all sort of hoped he would be. I mean, maybe I thought he could be higher than that, but this is at least where you hoped he would be. Uh, but obviously that hasn't been the case this season. He only had 44 yards total over his past eight games prior to these two games. So about five and a half yards per game, even though he's playing almost 20 receiving snaps per game. So uh, the production this season has been very disappointing, but at least he's closing out the season pretty strong, giving himself something to build off of next year, because he will probably still be on the team. So whatever positive momentum he could build, not that momentum carries over. We know that momentum doesn't really carry over from one season to the next, but it's still just good to see some positive signs from him because he's a talented guy. The talent is there. We saw it in 2018, I don't know what happened with him mentally this season at the beginning of the year with his focus drops and the fumbles, but um, he definitely has physical talent. So it's good to see some more flashes of that and maybe he can put everything back together next year
1: disappointing season for Chris Herndon but an outstanding season for Jamison Crowder once again who is not the Jets MVP we know that that went to Marcus May but you'd have to say that when it comes to offense he would have to be the number two guy after Makai Becton he missed a few games but he's still going to put together a really good season I know that if you look at the box score stats, the traditional metrics, it doesn't pop out at you. But when you consider all the times that he's been open and could have had touchdowns or could have had big plays and the quarterback, whether it was Flacco or Darnold, either didn't see him or didn't target him. And you put that together with what he actually has produced. He has had a really nice 2020. Another really good game on Sunday against the Browns, including a touchdown pass, which, by the way, Michael, was one of the best passes thrown in the entire game.
2: I mean, it really objectively was. I mean, it wasn't a tight window, but it was an in stride deep pass. I think it would have been completed even if someone was there. So kudos to Crowder for that. He was the best quarterback in this game. But. The production's been there, like you said, even though it doesn't look great on the surface. But when you just look at what he's doing in the slot, he's fifth in slot receiving yards per game with 42.5 this season. So that's really solid. I mean, that's what you're asking him to be. You don't want him to be Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones. He's in the slot. You want him to be that safety blanket, and he's been that. And like you said, he's been missed a, a lot this year on a lot of big plays, a lot more so than he was last year. And This is about as much as I've seen any wide receiver missed in one season with the Jets, at least since I've been watching. So he should have a lot more production than he does. And his production is still good in terms of what he does in his role. So Jameson Crowder is a very solid piece for this team to have going into next year for whoever the quarterback is.
1: Keywords there, Michael, whoever the quarterback is, it could be Sam Darnold, it might not be, but Sam Darnold was an interesting conversation piece following this game against the Browns. There's been some debate about exactly how high the quality of his performance was. There was one unintentionally hilarious moment during the broadcast where Trent Green was talking about Sam Darnold, and he said, you have to hand it to Sam Darnold. He's been very efficient throwing the football today, completing, and then he paused and said just over 50% of his passes, but no big mistakes. So I thought that was one of those weird instances where perhaps the eye didn't catch the box score. But when you went back and looked I thought that while there were some plays that could have been made to help him a little bit, there was that deep throw to Brashad Perriman that could have been a touchdown. I don't blame Perriman as much as some others do because it wasn't a perfectly thrown ball. Perriman would have had to make a play, but Perriman could have done a better job of tracking the ball and making the catch. But overall, I thought that this was not a great performance by Sam Darnold. There were a couple of times where he should have been picked off. As we mentioned earlier with Miles Garrett, Darnold was lucky because there should have been a strip sack charged against him. The referees ended up calling it an incomplete pass incorrectly, I think. So overall, this felt like a pretty poor performance by Darnold. They did win the game, and he did have a couple of showy throws, although I would say that that big touchdown to Crowder was in broken coverage. So it wasn't that impressive when you really break it down. But there's been some debate. As to whether or not Darnold was good in this game, I don't think he was. What did the numbers say?
2: Yeah, there was pretty much no evidence that Darnold played well in this game. Even even the box score stats aren't good. 175 yards and 32 passes, 5.5 per attempt. That's not good at all. That was 7th worst of 32, but obviously box scores are not good. That's why we look deeper than that. But even the advanced stats for him in this game weren't good. His QBR was the 5th worst of the week. His PFF grade was the ninth worst of the week. His adjusted completion percentage was the 8th worst of the week, even though he was mostly checking the ball down in this game. His completion percentage versus expectation, 11th worst, so he was below average in pretty much everything across the board. And the biggest thing in this game was he just couldn't hit a pass downfield. He was 2 for 12 above 10 yards, and the only two completions were the two touchdowns that he threw, which were both Extremely wide open. Any quarterback, I mean, any quarterback can make any throw, but still those two throws are wide open. So they weren't necessarily anything impressive. And outside of those two, over for 10, over 10 yards downfield. And he didn't complete outside of those two passes, any other passes that were caught beyond the first down marker. So it was a really conservative performance. And the separation wasn't great from the receivers in this game, but there were opportunities for him to take shots that he didn't take and when he did take shots, he wasn't able to convert on them. Um, and you mentioned the Paramin play; That was a pretty good throw. It could have been caught, but still, even if it is caught, still only one for 10, above 10 yards, which isn't even close to getting it done. So uh, not I don't think he was good in this game. The Browns have a bad defense. They were 25th in passing. In terms of DVOA entering this game, they blew a lot of coverages. It was a very easy opportunity to produce quite a bit and they didn't really do that, so or Darnold really didn't do that, or the offense run game wasn't good either. Um, So it it wasn't all his fault. There were other positions that didn't play well. We talked about the guards and Becton. The receivers in this game didn't separate too much, but at the same time, uh, Darnold, just independent of what anyone else was doing, this was not a very accurate performance. He was a little bit of a game manager, checked the ball down too much. And, you know, again, the, the throws are being called. It's not like Adam Gase was just having him check the ball down and throw screens. He threw 12 passes over 10 yards. He only completed two of them, and the two he did were wide open. So it definitely wasn't a very good performance from him. Not terrible. He's had worse games, but this was – I don't think there's any evidence that this was a good game. And and you mentioned the turnovers. He had two dropped picks in this game, one from Denzel Ward in the late in the fourth quarter, one from Terrence Mitchell on the first pass of the game. And he also had that fumble with Miles Garrett that which I probably wouldn't be the worst turnover in the world anyway, because it was a quick pressure given up by Becton. But it was a fumble nonetheless that probably should have been called. So uh, the biggest thing about the performance that's positive is that he technically didn't turn the ball over, but he should have had at least those two interceptions, maybe that fumble as well. So they're isn't a ton positive to say about this one i guess you could again say that maybe the protection wasn't great but even if you want to say that he still had an average time in the pocket of 2.84 seconds in this game that was 12th highest in week 16 that's plenty of time to get the ball out downfield but he still only only averaged 4.1 air yards per completion that was fourth lowest of the week and the only guys who were behind him were chase daniel Dwayne haskins and Tua Tagovailoa. one of those guys got cut one of those guys got benched so this really wasn't there's not much positive to say and some of the pieces around him weren't great but just looking at him individually not accounting for anything else what could he do in terms of what could he control this wasn't a great game against the rams last week he was he was pretty decent he did a good job he was much more accurate in this game had no plays that should have been turnovers, uh, a much better game managing performance against the Rams than in this game against the Browns. Uh, again, he was he only had two true incompletions against the Rams. If you count out drops, throwaways, things like that. And this one, even when you adjust for those things, he was still one of the least accurate quarterbacks of the week. And he had those tur- uh, few plays that should have been turnovers. And also against the, the Rams, he had a few uh, handful of really good money throws that in this game against the Browns, he didn't really have, I guess he had the one to Herndon was pretty nice. Um, the I guess if you want to consider the paraman bomb a good throw, but uh, this, this wasn't a good game. There's just no evidence for that.
1: Yeah, Michael, I think the best thing you could say is that he wasn't as bad as he's been in the majority of games this season, but I'd still say that he hurt the team more than he helped the team in this particular contest. And if you've been hurt due to somebody else's negligence, it can be a life-changing event. And when that happens, you want a strong legal team fighting for you to make sure you receive full compensation for your injuries. You want to be able to call your legal team whenever you want. You don't want your file to be on a shelf with hundreds of others, and you don't want your lawyers to be afraid to go to court. Here's what you do want. The legal team at Faruqi and Faruki. They give every client their personal cell phone number to call 24-7. They limit the number of clients they represent at one time. They've got a long track record of taking on insurance companies, corporations, and the government in court. And they've got a long track record of of winning. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Learn more about them at nylegalteam.com That's nylegalteam.com Michael Nania, resident stat geek and co-founder over at JetsXFactor.com Thanks so much for coming on for the Chronicles as always. Really appreciate it. I know you've got a ton of stuff over at JetsXFactor.com What's cooking over there?
2: Yeah, Plenty more numbers and film. I'm really looking forward to doing some film on this game, or at least by the time you're listening to this, it's probably out already, but Um, lots of film from actually positive film in this game. You know, they, they won this game. They scored more points than the other team doesn't happen a lot. So actually some positive film to look at Uh, and and plenty more on the numbers. Darnold grade. So same as usual, great stuff coming out of every game. And I'm looking forward to the off season, finally getting into really digging into uh, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and having that debate for the next four months. The, The quarterback conversation is definitely going to be a lot more interesting than we thought it was going to be interesting is a word
1: you could use (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely going to be Not what we expected Let's put it that way Because we were really hoping That there was going to be Zero debate about this pick But now all of a sudden The floodgates are opening So lots to discuss here On Play Like a Jet And obviously over At JetsXFactor.com Where you can find Michael's work You can also find Michael On Twitter At Michael underscore Nania If you haven't given us A five star review on iTunes yet If you can go ahead And do that for us Really appreciate it Easy way to help out the show If you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time Doesn't cost you any money. But it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us We'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest The New York Jets podcast You know where to go That's Turn on the Jets digital And turnonthejets.com